0: Welcome again to Toho Yaro, your monthly podcast about Japanese film with your host, the Toho Guys. I'm Scott, joined as always by Joey.
1: Hey, Scott.
0: And Alex. Hi, Scott. Uh, This month we watched Takeshi Kitano's 2003 Zatoichi, released in the U.S. as Zatoichi the Blind Swordsman. on a novel from Kan Shimasawa and from 1948, which uh, became kind of a cultural phenomenon after it spawned an earlier film series starting with The Tale of Zatoichi in 1962. Normally here on Toho we like to start with the beginning of a film series, but as the 60s Zatoichi series all-star Shintaro Katsu as Zatoichi and uh, ran mostly consecutively. Uh, Takeshi Kitano's Zatoichi film, which takes place, which was released decades after the last Shintarakatsu Katsu film, kind of stands on its own as being a very different thing. And I wanted to to focus on that separately.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it's very different for sure.
0: <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll definitely get into some of those differences later uh from the top, we, we've the film is directed and starring Takeshi Kitano, much as most of his projects are. Uh this is obviously Kitano is a Toho Yaro alum from Sonatina. Uh he's returning this time without Joe Hisaishi. This time the music is done by Keiji Suzuki, who Ooh. is uh also yeah. Sorry,
2: I I had a I yeah Keiji Suzuki, um composer for the music for uh for the mother series of, mm-hmm. of uh video games. Oh that's yeah,
0: interesting. He's uh he also composed the music for Tokyo Godfathers and is a solo musician in his own right. But yeah, over here is probably best known for doing most of the music in uh what was released in the US as Earthbound, the Super Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. Uh uh Kitano noted that uh Hisashi was not a good fit for this film because he wanted something, uh, he wanted a composer familiar with arrangement and somebody who was a lot more familiar with percussive style music, which makes a lot of sense when we get to the, uh, a lot of the intricacies in the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's also who knows how much of the, Kitano likes to joke a lot in interviews and also said that. Uh, his haishi was too expensive for him to use anymore.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> very possible. <laughs> He's used to getting that ghibli money at this point. Yeah.
0: Um so the some other notable members of the cast are Tadanobu Asano as uh Hatori Ginosuke, a Ronin who acts as a bodyguard. Uh Yuko Daike as Okinu with her sibling. Uh, Osei, played by Daigoro Tajibana, the, these siblings portray uh, geishas together, uh, but it's notable that Daigoro Tajibana is a man
3: mm-hmm.
0: who is uh, a stage actor in Japan for a format called uh, Taishu Ingeki, which is a kind of considered the people's theater. It's less fancy than Kabuki. But uh, there are a lot of male performers that specialize in female roles within Taishu Engeki, and Daigoro Tachibana is uh, one of the more famous ones when the movie was filmed. Uh, also, the uh, actor who plays the young version of Osei is, was also a young Taishu Engeki actor. Hmm. Uh, Taishu Engeki, as a, as a quick aside, is... is pretty interesting in that it's much more informal and not having to do with uh, specifically that Dagorah Tachibana is playing a woman but the style seems to be a lot to have a lot in common with American drag style and that uh, the performers will come down from the stage and mingle with the crowd between acts
1: mm-hmm. and
0: sell merchandise and things very interesting yeah
1: that is really interesting
0: um, the, the Sister of the Siblings, played by Yuko Daike, is a regular collaborator with Takeshi Kitano and has appeared in a few of his other movies. Uh, Michio Okusu, who plays Aunt Oome, is, uh, is actually a veteran of the original Zatoichi series and uh, co-starred in the Zatoichi film that came out in 1966. And then, uh, then finally, we have another Toho Yaro alum, uh, Toho Yaro alum, in Akira Imoto, who plays Pops, the the man who runs the tavern, who you probably recognize as the Private Eye from Shall We Dance.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was happy to see him. <laughs> yeah, he's, I, I was uh, definitely going to bring him up if, if uh, you didn't.
0: Yeah, he he seemed to be one of everybody's favorites, and it's good to see him again. Uh I want to know uh what you guys do if you any of you have uh, personal history with the film Joey?
1: Uh I saw it in college so it was probably around the time that it came out. Um it was fairly easy to find in like rental stores and stuff um here and I had heard of Zatoichi at that po- at that point but never seen any of the films and I was familiar with Beat Takeshi and had seen a few of his films so um I was definitely interested in it. And this is this was, uh, you know, over 10 years ago, so I don't remember exactly what I thought about it. Um, at the point that I saw the movie, this time around, I was even having a hard time recalling a lot of details about the plot and stuff. But things that did stick out in particular, which we'll talk about later, is, is that, like, I could remember there was a dance sequence at the end. And I remembered feeling weird and confused by the stuff at the end with his eyes and stuff. Mm. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I, I had seen it, but it had been a decade or so ago. How about Alex, you, Alex? Is...
2: Yeah, so I wanted to see this when it came out. Uh, this was around the time that I was heavily into my uh, Beat Takeshi phase uh, in between high school and college. And um, I was eagerly anticipating this movie. Um, I had heard of Zatoichi um, culturally, but I had never seen any of the movies up until then, and uh, I remember waiting for this movie to come out, and then it finally did, and I never got around to watching it. <laughs> um, uh, and in preparation for this particular episode, uh, and after recording our last mini-episode, I decided to go back and watch uh, the first two Ichi movies, uh, starring uh, uh, Katsu. And, um, and that was a pretty good primer for this and gave me some pretty good uh, basis for comparison as to what to expect and what to not expect. And of course, uh, being a veteran beat Takeshi lover uh, myself, uh, I kind of knew what to expect anyway. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: Yeah, as a funny kind of aside, uh, the copy I watched, I rented from one of the few remaining physical uh, rental stores here in Athens. And... The DVD is actually a double box set with, uh, packaged with Sonatine. So it was like, oh, it's the Toho Yaro beat Takeshi set. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I, I watched the film pretty shortly after it came out and and remember liking it a whole lot. And it's interesting uh, revisiting things and seeing how your feelings towards them change. Um, but yeah, a lot... A, uh, after watching it, a lot of the film stuck with me. The finer points, kind of like Joey, washed away. But uh, I remember liking a lot of the sword fighting and uh, 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 Tadanobu. This is the first film I saw that had Tadanobu Asano uh, in it, and uh, for some reason, he j- just kind of like stuck out in my
2: mind. Is remembering him as the the <laughs> Ronin in the the green outfit. Was kind of got a distinctive look to him. He's very uh, he's very sexy yeah
0: <laughs> he is a handsome, mysterious dangerous man yeah
2: yeah definitely a, it's it's not unlike him to play those kind of characters in movies uh, mm-hmm. we've got a couple tohoyara movies with him in it uh in them on the pipeline so cool uh so uh before I get uh, uh, a general
0: synopsis of the zatoichi films is that uh, zatoichi is a uh blind masseur who travels from town to town, who is actually an incredibly skilled swordsman and uh, just kind of travels around uh, getting into trouble and helping people, usually a combination of joining up with and fighting against Yakuza. And uh, Mm -hmm. this film is not especially different from that. Uh, it, it varies a lot, different in tone from the uh, from the previous films. The story of how this got made is pretty interesting because it's so long. The final Zatoichi film, I believe, was nineteen eighty nine, and uh, so that's a pretty big gap. The studio decided that they wanted to make a new Zatoichi film and were looking around for different talent. Uh, uh, Takashi Miike actually had been wanting to make his own Zatoichi film and shopped it to the studio. Uh, saying that he wanted to direct it but wanted uh Kitano to star in it.
3: Hmm.
0: And so uh they didn't want they didn't like Miki's treatment of the film because he wanted uh Zatoichi to die in it is the the last Zatoichi, Zatoichi
2: movie. That sounds about right. Um, <laughs> oh,
1: there actually is a movie that came out afterwards called Zatoichi the Last uh starring hmm. uh gosh, one of the guys from SMAP, and he does die <laughs> at the end of it. Yeah. Oh, wow. uh, the rapper Zebra is also in it. Um, uh, wow. And also a kind of weird cast of characters
0: as well. Um,
2: SMAP. Jesus. I've wow. heard that name in a long time. <laughs>
0: um, so the studio actually reached out to Kitano to have him uh, uh, do the film. Uh, Mike eventually went on to uh, make his own Zatoichi stage production uh which I know very little about aside from it stars uh a, a regular of his uh show akira uh or excuse me show uh Ikawa, who is in the dead or live films that Mike directs mm. <clears throat> but uh they they approached gitano and uh, taking his his odd sensibilities to the film, he knew from the very beginning that he wanted it to have a kind of musical tone to it, and he wanted it to end with a big musical scene because a lot of older Japanese films end with a big festival mm. but uh we'll get on we'll get to how he kind of uh, makes that his own <laughs> so uh, the movie begins with a uh, title shot of with Zatoichi sitting on, on, a, uh, on a rock and, and along a, a trail. Uh, Yakuza confront him and have a child sneak up and steal his sword, which he obviously doesn't realize is happening because he's blind. Uh, but then as the uh, leader of the Yakuza reach up to kind of confront him, yell at him for whatever trouble he's gotten into before, Ichi erupts into violence, uh, breaking the guy's ankle, grabbing his sword back, and killing him. Mm-hmm. And from from this moment, it kind of shows you it's uh, it's got Kitano's propensity for explosive violence just out of nowhere. <clears throat> um, but at the same time, it, it also kind of sets up his idea, weird idea of slapstick comedy as you have some of the... Hint, uh, Yakuza henchman in the back uh being clumsy with their swords and accidentally cutting each other.
1: Yeah, which I think I I love that uh just that part where the guy standing next to him uh cuts his arm just by drawing his sword very dramatically. And I feel like that kind of undercuts the sort of like I don't know. It it makes it sort of seem more realistic in a goofy way. Because it's like you know you could try to be cool but you might accidentally slice the guy next to you <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: I, I believe there's also another scene later where where the same thing happens again mm-hmm. it's pretty entertaining um but uh from that scene we we have uh ichi traveling down the road which uh, the the full name zato ichi there is a guild of of blind people in edo era japan uh named the Totoza. And Zato is the lowest rank within that guild, so, which also meant that it became kind of slang for a slang nickname for blind people, which is uh, how the main character named Ichi is called Zato Ichi. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
0: but we have him walking down the road past this rest stop that's pretty busy and popular. And we're introduced to m- most of our main cast. We have the two geisha siblings uh, sitting down at the rest stop waiting on food. We have uh, Hattori and his wife walking down the street. And in this scene, it's interspersed with flashbacks of uh, Hattori uh, killing a bunch of guys. And then the siblings is geisha uh, seducing and killing somebody, uh, telling him that they're the... Naruto children taking revenge just kind of setting up the, the beginning of these character arcs. Uh, we also meet, uh, aunt Ume who is selling crops, but then gets quickly extorted by the Yakuza setting up the main conflict. Um, as, uh, we then see uh, a bunch of farmers, uh, uh, In the field, hoeing the the field, which becomes rhythmic and then weaves into the music. Which I really like a lot, the way that, and something that I wish happened a lot more in the film where, where diegetic music or diegetic sound becomes the music.
2: I mean, that happens a few times. A few times. And, and uh, yeah, it would have been nice if it happened more consistently. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is, I think, one of the first instances where I was like, oh, yeah, this is a Takeshi film.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and uh, from there, uh, we see Ichi accompanying uh, Ume to help her bring her, her crops back to her, her house. Uh, where they hang out and talk a little. And we get kind of... Oume is a little sassy, and Ichi is is a little dry but silly, and we get to see see uh, him doing a big laugh, which is always really fun to see uh, Takeshi Kitano full-on laughing at something in a movie, because it, it 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 usually happens like once or twice a film, but it's always fun to see for me.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, we then get a little back, more backstory on... Uh, Hattori, the, the Ronin whose wife is sick with generic blood coughing disease consumption or tuberculosis or whatever you want to call it. Um, and he is looking for work, uh, to support her, but she wants him to stop working as a, a bodyguard because she doesn't want him fighting and killing anymore. Uh, so he goes out, We're cut, we cut to the bar that gets revisited repeatedly throughout the movie that Pops is the owner of, where he is get, Pops is getting extorted by Yakuza. Um, Hattori is there drinking and immediately causes a huge scene to intimidate the Yakuza and demands that they summon their boss to evaluate him to be his bodyguard. Uh, their boss, Ginzo, shows up and Hattori so- shows off his sword skills, which, uh, something stylistically in this film I love that, uh, the skilled sword work is just these quick flashes, uh, ver- almost, uh, e- stylized to the point of the way that kind of anime tends to do it. Mm hmm. Um, uh, so, uh, so with Hattori's sword skills shown off, Ginzo is, is convinced and hires him on as a bodyguard, to which Hatori's wife, Oshino, uh, begs him to reconsider. Uh, we then get a scene where the uh, Ginzo, the Yakuza boss, is meeting with uh, a shadowed figure who is... Uh, Obviously, his superior, uh, as they talk about getting rid of the other uh, uh, Yakuza gangs within the town. We uh, then cut to Ichi chopping wood, and what is a really goofy scene, uh, he is, since he's blind, but he is obviously incredibly skilled, chopping wood and tossing it behind him when. One of the, I think, more needless additions to the movie of one of Ohume's neighbor's sons who uh, seems to be a developmentally challenged man who dreams of being a samurai and is just running around mostly naked with samurai armor and a spear yelling constantly. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I feel he's a character that stands out so strongly but doesn't really pay off in any way.
0: Yeah there there's no payoff and it's not treated in kind of in a, a mean way Mm-mm. but it's just a kind of layer of weirdness in an otherwise pretty already pretty weird movie <laughs> that yeah d- is to no real end but uh, uh we see Ichi's accuracy as he hits him with a block of wood tossed and to try to stop him but the uh the neighbor just stands up and keeps running around screaming uh ome comes back and ichi questions her about this and she explains uh the neighbor the neighbor's deal and tells him about her her nephew shinkichi who is an unlucky gambler uh ichi goes Uh, goes into town to meet with Shinkichi and do some gambling himself. (laughs) Yeah, as Uh, soon as he
1: hears gambling, he's like, oh, gambling, huh? (laughs) uh,
0: A a common feature in every Zatoichi movie is that Ichi loves uh, gambling, specifically the game of Chohan, which is uh, dice rolled in a cup and people bet on whether it's odd or even. A pretty uh, common style of gambling of the edo era.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um so on his way to town two businessmen are trying to bribe another one of the uh, the movers and shakers of the town with a very nice sword and uh, one convinces the other to strike down the next beggar that comes by and they see a blind man and try to cut him down and then we get uh, another scene of ichi's kind of skill and and swiftness with the sword where he simply uh, cuts the handle of the sword without actually hurting anybody, shocking the the two men. And uh, I feel in contrast to the opening scene and a couple other scenes that this is more in spirit with the other movies, whereas uh, the most Zatoichi films, he tries to avoid violence when he can. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this one, he he frequently just immediately leaps to violence, which I think makes Ichi seem like a, a much kind of harder character.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good observation.
0: Uh, he, he goes on to uh, go gamble with at, at Chohan with Shinkichi, who is amazed by his powers of being able to he- listen to the dice and tell whether they're going to be odd or even. Uh We then get a scene of of uh Hattori going to slay one of the rival Yakuza bosses and it, uh, we we have a lot of buildup of how what a good swordsman each of them are without a lot of interaction up to this point where Ichi goes to the bar and Hatori happens to be there. And we get our first uh, – we get an immediate showdown rather than, than just median talking where uh, Hattori kind of sizes him up, uh, realizes his sword is more than a sword, uh, pops his sword open, which I, I really do like this, where uh, Hattori pops his sword open just to make the noise, mm-hmm. and Ichi reflexively – uh, shows his and his like defensive stance. Yeah. Um and then after after some some more eyeing up and tough words Hatori is about to uh, f- actually pull out his sword for combat and uh, Ichi's underhand style kind kind of blocks him off and he makes him back down essentially. Uh, which which we'll, which will is set up for, for the final duel that the two of them have. Um, we we then see Hattori go back home uh, to his wife, who also smells the blood on him and knows that he's killed again, and she is very upset about it. And we get a very abrupt flashback to Hattori's kendo training and a ruthless instructor who beats him mercilessly which the, the this film has a lot of flashbacks, and because of uh, Kitano's editing style, there's not r- real transitions between the scenes, so it's very difficult to figure out occasionally that we are suddenly in a flashback.
1: Yeah, I had some trouble with that as
0: well. But yeah, usually the the the, the closest notice is that it will focus in on a character's face as they're sitting there thinking. And then it, once we're in the next scene, it's it's them flashing back, but it's very difficult to tell, especially with this opening scene, because uh, Hattori in this scene is groomed as a proper samurai with the, with the tantra cut and shaved face. So it's very difficult to recognize Tadanobu Asano with that look instead of his, uh, trademark main and and goatee
3: mm-hmm.
0: um uh jumping a little ahead shinkichi and ichi are flush with gambling profits and go out carousing and uh run across the naruto siblings uh who their their mo is to seduce and rob their their patrons but uh Obviously, Ichi is, is, becomes wise to them immediately. And rather than uh, uh, taking vengeance out on them, actually sits and listens to their story where they reaccount their family being killed by Yakuza for being wealthy rice merchants. And the siblings are uh, are tending to a secret pet mouse or rat and escape being murdered with the rest of their family. But from then on, they're on the streets. Uh, Which, this gets picked up later.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, A little bit later, Ichi and Shikichi are back at the gambling house yet again. And this time, press their luck a little too much. And the dealer is instructed to cheat them. And uh, as soon as Ichi hears there's some mechanism trying to cheat with the dice, he just immediately chops the dealer's arm off, (laughs) causing... The, the gambling house to break out in havoc which is another one of those one of these scenes where it seems that uh, yeah he just immediately jumps to violence
1: yeah this would be in the classic series kind of the moment that he would slice the cup in half and you'd he'd reveal that there's a third die under there or or cut the dice in half and you see that they're loaded or whatever uh and then kind of a fight might break out but you know and this this could I think this is uh, Takeshi like playing with expectations like if you're very familiar with Zatoichi you're kind of expecting him to do something like that and Mm -hmm. instead he takes you by surprise by just like (laughs) immediately dismembering people and going on a killing spree
0: yeah um and and yeah as soon as he does this all hell breaks loose and he's he massacres everybody else that tries to stand against him. Uh, And then then they flee. Uh, During this, the geishas have arranged to work for one of the other kind of Yakuza Big Shots, Ogi, uh, who who runs a, I guess, entertainment establishment. Uh, And uh, he invites them in but when they're one of the when the patron that he is hosting gets a little handsy they kind of uh freak out hit Ogi in the head and flee but in the process realize that he has a snake on his wrist uh, and then uh then Ichi uh, Shinkichi and the geishas all meet up and flee to Ome's house as basically the entire yakuza gang is out looking for them uh, uh, we then get a, when they reconnoiter at Ome's house, uh, they have disguised Ichi in one of the sillier moments. Uh, they have painted eyes on his eyes.
1: <laughs> on his eyelids,
0: yeah. Yeah, on his eyelids, which the reveal of that is really fun. Uh, but they are talking about their their family being killed, and by these Yakuza who talked about moving on and, and settling down somewhere else. And thanks, and with Oume's help and realizing that the uh, the name of the gang is Rotten Rope, or which is another name for snake. They piece together that uh, the Yakuza bosses in this town are likely the ones that are responsible for killing their family. Uh, at the same time uh, Ogi and Ginzo are meeting with the the uh, shadowy overboss who also puts together the pieces that this blind man causing trouble is probably Satoichi who obviously uh, whose name has made the rounds and that the two geisha are the the children from the Naruto family and then we get this kind of extended downtime, which reminded me a lot of the Beach House uh part hmm. of Sonatine. They're just kind of hanging out in Ome's house for a long time. Uh Ichi, we get a flashback to uh to a massacre that that he was responsible for of just a a kind of apropos of nothing scene of him uh fighting tons of guys. And it's a fun action scene, but really doesn't have much motivation or tell us anything about the character
1: <laughs> except for he's real good at fighting guys with a yep. sword.
0: Yeah. It's it's visually pretty amazing. It's it's in it's shot in the rain and it looks really good. Uh the there's there's a lot of CGI blood splatter which is used to varying effect throughout the movie. But, uh, but I think, in this scene, everything looks really good and yeah, that's uh, well, be-
2: go ahead that's a an effect that is very indicative of when this movie was made yeah, uh there's a lot of c g i blood splatter and and impaling, and um if you look at a lot of Japanese movies that are made around this time, uh, there's a lot of that. It's what I like to call uh, uh new doctor who. Uh, <laughs> where the first, where in the first season of, uh, you know, when they brought back Doctor Who, the special effects were just like saw how very Sci Fi Channel original movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. not, I, not I I great. Think it's, I guess serviceable. That's
1: I remember it. thinking it like not thinking too much of it at the time. I think I did notice, but I, I think I kind of was like, cool. It's a swordsman movie where they're finally using CGI to make it look good, you know, because I, I think it's that same kind of thing that, where it unfortunately doesn't age very well, but for the time it was made, it looked fine, you know.
2: Sure. Well, I mean, it, at least it's not, you know, paint and blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had in previous movies. Um, I, And yeah, I
0: think coming a few years off the global success of The Matrix and things that everybody was starting to use a lot more CG when they where they could instead of uh, practical effects and uh yeah it does it's noticeable, but I don't think it's that distracting mm-hmm. um, just,
1: just occasionally um, yeah. when a sword's sticking out of somebody's back and it's kind of wiggling around <laughs> or something yeah. it starts you know but and that's something that's just kind of unfortunate, but um I don't know, I try not to hold like technical. Uh, limitations like that back against movies too much but it does you know speak to something about sort of like the more timelessness of practical effects versus early CG and stuff
0: Which I, I think it's a good contrast to our first episode where we talk talk about Godzilla and all of the practical effects that they used in that and how many of those still hold up mm-hmm. um,
1: um, but something I find interesting about this f- whole sequence of flashbacks is that they I I like the framing device that they're sitting around in the rain and everything, all the flashbacks also take place in the rain. So it's like, even though the fight scene isn't really telling us much, it's just kind of an excuse to put another cool Zatoiji fight scene in. Mm -hmm. There's this sort of like idea that the reason why he's thinking about it is because the rain is reminding him of it. And if anything, it just sort of informs you that he's been through this before where he's had to,
2: Kill a lot of dudes. <laughs> right. Yeah, honestly, I like the scene um, because if it weren't for this scene, there'd be a huge lull in the middle of the movie, and uh, this kind of keeps the pace going.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely f- felt like this was something that they went back and looked at this this stretch of the movie and were like, "Well, dang, we need we should put another fight scene in here." <laughs> um, and, and yeah, but these these flashbacks are a lot better signaled than the the previous ones mm-hmm. um, from here we get a flashback of Okina, uh remembering their life or her hers and Osei's life post fleeing their family being massacred where they're on the streets. They get uh, picked up by what looks like a wealthy family to just kind of do uh low level work. But the, husband of the family seems to have a propensity for young boys and when Okinu finds this going on the the wife of the family beats Okinu and the two of them flee but uh it it seems Osei has kind of taken to being uh to dressing as a a woman and as he he says later in the movie that it, it suits him and as children, they, they then uh, basically have to turn to prostitution to stay alive, and that's how they uh, grow up to be geishas, is just surviving any me- by any means they can and later on uh, learning that they can uh, trick and rob uh, as they kind of hone their skills to plan to take revenge on the family that killed theirs. Mm-hmm. Or the the Yakuza that killed theirs. Um they we flash back to the present of Osei and Okino practicing Koto and and dancing and but uh Okino is kind of overwhelmed by sadness, which uh Osei is just a little confused by, but Oma and Shinkichi both kind of feel it by proxy. And, uh, this is really the first time we see a lot of emotion out of Shinkichi other than just being a goofy screw up of a nephew.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and so following this kind of downtime, we, uh, we see uh, Ginzo basically provoke a gang war with the remaining Yakuza gang that opposes them, uh, which ends in a confrontation where uh, Hatori finally gets to have his big scene where he kills a bunch of other uh, uh, Yakuza single-handedly and very easily.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, those poor guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't stand a chance.
0: Which I I uh Kitano has talked in interviews about uh Tadanobu Asano's sword work and how he had previously been in another he was coming off another samurai film where uh Kitano did not actually like his sword work from the film so he made him take another several months of training before acting in the film. Mm uh but I, I think this scene also looks really good and a notably different style than uh than ichi's uh we then get a a back at ome's house we get another incredibly w- silly scene of shinkichi and some locals who are just kind of snooping around uh they where shinkichi tries to lead them in combat practice where we get a Stooge-esque scene of them practicing with, with big wooden sticks and basically just beating up Shinkichi in a real slapstick way that reminds me of Kitano's manzai comedy roots.
1: Yeah, once you get into hitting people over the head, <laughs> it it, get, it goes back to manzai for sure.
0: Um, we then get Shinkichi kind of bonding a little with Osei, and they... Uh, take a bath together, which Shinkichi is a little weird about, but Osei reminds him that, that he's a man. Mm-hmm. And Shinkichi asks Osei about, uh, does does makeup make men pretty? And Osei responds that it depends on the face, and Shinkichi is obviously curious and, and uh, will later try it on his own to see how it works out for him, <laughs> which is uh, fascinating. The uh, From there, the Geisha go into town to, apo- to quote, apologize to Ogi now that they know he's one of the uh, the two men that they must kill. But in the process of this, not realizing that uh, the Yakuza know who they are, they walk right into a trap. Uh, Ichi leaves shortly after, kind of following after them narrowly missing a squad that's sent to trap and kill him in Ome's house, but he picks up a scarecrow and goes and replaces it in a field while they run past. So they don't see each other. Well, Ichi wouldn't see them, but, (laughs) uh, so, and then they go on to Ome's house, uh, threaten or demand that they bring out Ichi. And when they can't, they go to burn down the house and Shikichi and Ome run out, which, they're not they're not harried by the people burning down their house at least as the the yakuza yeah, stand at the doors waiting for Ichi to run out but shinkichi is in full on kimono and geisha makeup and yeah. and and looking incredibly worried so we get this kind of harrowing scene followed uh, and intermixed with this kind of Silliness and the uh, the uh, townsfolk he was tra- quote training earlier run up. And one of them does a double take at his face as they watch the house burn down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the geisha siblings, uh, cut back to the geisha siblings who are cornered and trapped, but Ichi shows up just in time to save them and slaughter a bunch more uh, yakuza. Uh we get a this is probably where the CGI gets a little goofy to me is, is during this scene, but uh he fights a bunch of, of Yakuza, kills uh, Ogi and but Ginzo escapes. Uh this is uh, the
1: scene where he's like cutting stone in half and stuff like that. Like
0: Yeah, yeah he, <laughs> he slices a a stone lantern in half, which is Really silly, as one of the recurring themes throughout the original series is how fragile his cane sword is, mm. and so he is constantly breaking it and having to find another one. Whereas in this, it's just slicing through stone like it's no problem. <laughs> uh, another weird thing about this scene is uh, Ogi uh, uh, brings out a revolver. Oh yeah, which it's uh, in the original Zatoichi movie. It's a big deal that one of the yakuza has a gun which he has a, a rifle and revolvers existed in the edo period uh in the late edo period but i don't think that the particular type of gun that they have in the in this movie uh actually existed until about 50 years after that yeah, yeah it does look
2: one, very modern yeah i was uh <laughs> i was shocked <laughs> kind of uh this is this is around where the movie started Getting into WTF territory for me.
0: Mm-hmm. It only takes yeah, that long, but. <laughs> it do, it does get kind of weirdly off the rails at this point during the climax. Uh, but yeah, that that gun is super weird, uh, and and the scene where after killing Ogi, he throws his sword back into the the scabbard, which a he he is left in the hands of a dead man. Just nails it perfectly, which is, I think, just kind of gilding the lily on this scene. <laughs> it's a bit much. But uh, Ginzo escapes, and Hatori chases after him. Uh, Ginzo runs to where—I mean, uh, Ginzo escapes, and Ichi runs after him. Ginzo is searching for Hatori and finds him on a beach by a bonfire uh, for no apparent reason.
1: It's like he's, he's waiting for Ichi— and he's calling him out with a bonfire that he wouldn't see. Yeah. Uh, maybe he'd feel the warmth. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. It looks cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great, it's a great scene. Uh, Ichi finally er, tracks him down to the, to the beach. And this also reminded me of Sonatino as he runs up to the beach and, uh, we, we get, uh, Ichi or uh, Takeshi Kitano's kind of weird shuffling gait mm-hmm. as, as he walks towards him and we get a final showdown between Hattori and Ichi and a scene that I like a lot I I still really enjoy this where Hattori kind of envisions how the duel will go mm-hmm. and uh he he remembers the first the first kind of showdown that they had in the bar where nothing actually happened, but keeps in mind Ichi's underhand uh, sword grip and decides to change his grip, or Hattori decides to change his grip, which Ichi obviously can't see and is going to trick him, when at the last second Ichi actually change his grip, changes his grip to overhand, which confuses Hattori and lets him win the duel uh, in just a a single swipe Yeah, just barely scathes, <laughs> right. which this is always, that's always my favorite kind of trope in a lot of uh, Chambara movies is that you get a lot of kind of drawn out sword fights with, with goons and stuff, but the actual kind of climax between the two main uh, antagonists is that they study each other up, and then it's just done in one yeah, one instant,
1: yeah, this is a thing that was very shocking to me at first, um, but I think that I'm kind of a little more used to it now
0: um, a- after that, we see Hatori's wife, who is sick and tired of of Hatori killing for her, and she commits suicide, uh kind of dying at the same time as her husband unbeknownst to, to either of them. We then uh, jump to the next morning where you see Ginzo dead and some brush and some reeds and a bunch of people rebuilding Ome's house which is burned down. Uh, and then them preparing for a big festival that night and we've get some extra what i feel like are extraneous action scenes with uh, with ichi being attacked by ninjas who appear out of nowhere
1: <laughs> i kind of love the ninjas that jump out of nowhere it's uh, it's know. so silly if you're at this point and <laughs> go ahead
0: scott uh i even my even the first time i watched this movie i was just like ninjas what <laughs> and they come up out of the ground and I'm like, well, that's fine. They dug holes there, but then there's later an overhead shot where there's just no, no, there
1: they were hiding in the shadows.
0: Um, but, uh, after defeating the ninjas pops from the bar shows up to reveal that he is actually the shadow boss. That is, is the, the final of the three that is responsible for the Naruto siblings, family getting killed. Uh, And in what is maybe the most confusing thing about this movie, Ichi opens his eyes and to say he's not actually blind before killing Pops.
1: Yeah, let's get into that after we finish the summary.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Following that uh, is when it cuts to the festival scene and we see uh, kind of traditional-looking dancers with – Big sticks and masks doing what I do not believe is a any kind of is not quite traditional Japanese festival dancing, but is close.
1: Yeah, this is and like a tap dancing troupe that was specifically hired for the movie or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh. I think this this first part of the dancing is supposed to be more traditional and it, it zooms in on like it starts out on taiko drums yeah. and kind of traditional uh, drumming and then from uh, when that scene ends we go back to Ichi who has finally gone back to the bar to confront the real boss whereas Pops was just pretending to be the real boss which I was watching this with my wife and once we got to this point, she was like, how many of these are we going to do? <laughs> but uh, uh, Gramps, the old man who works as a bar back in, in the, the bar, admits that he's the real boss and trained up pops and was hiding hiding in plain sight the whole time. And uh, uh, Ichi, but he, he's ready for death, but Ichi decides that he's, that death is too good for him and instead blinds him. And leaves him alive uh and from there we get we cut back to the festival where they do a full on like american style tap stomp dance number,
2: <laughs> yeah, which
0: uh yes yeah, this, was this like a is
2: bo- uh the end of a Bollywood movie like mm-hmm. totally
0: my wife made the said the same thing uh and so yeah the the whole village is out there dancing around the uh it's it, like i said it's full on tap dance still to to japanese drumming uh with, with other music fades in and uh it it also functions as kind of like a theater style cast call or a or a curtain call where the the rest of the main cast who are the, from the less actiony parts show up We get a brief CGI morphing of the Naruto siblings back into their younger forms, which is super bizarre. Yep. Kind of interesting. Into adults again. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Very strange.
0: And then just as the, uh, the, the number ends, we cut back to Ichi just walking through the woods, who then trips on a rock and says, even with my eyes wide open, I can't see a thing. And that's where the film ends
1: yep. <laughs> leaving you to say, okay, what? <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, it, uh, Alex, let me get your reaction first.
2: Yeah. Um, I was pretty into the movie up until he reveals that he wasn't actually blind. And then I got mad. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, I was like, what? This fucker's not blind. Uh, I, I, I mean, like, it's, it's clearly Takeshi doing his own thing, but I feel like that is a, it kind of does a disservice to the character. Um, I, I was watching an interview, actually, uh, um, about Zatoichi, the original movies, and, um, if I recall, uh, Katsu was, you know, he he wanted to do the role because he knew he could play a blind guy really, really well. Mm -hmm. And, uh. I think the remarkable thing about Zatoichi as a character is that he really can, you know, sense all of this stuff, you know, he may be blind, but he's remarkable. And we're treated as if though like, you know, this was a ruse the entire time that, you know, he could see, and I I don't know, I feel like that's sort of like doing a doing a disservice to the character a little bit. Uh I don't know.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, go ahead before I get it. No,
2: over. no, I mean like, no, please.
1: Um, So I see there actually being two ways of looking at this. There is the idea that Zatoichi is not blind, but I also see a, an interpretation where he actually is blind because of that line at the end. Uh, So, but I have major issues with both <laughs> interpretations. <laughs> uh, So if he's not blind... Uh, you're right. It totally negates the interesting aspect of the character that he's strong despite uh adversity, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, and it's just like this sort of weird, you know. Oh, you think he's cool, but he's actually even cooler, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> and 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 uh. And and then there's the idea that he has, or the aspect of it that he has the CGI's. So his eyes, when he opens his eyes, the whites of his eyes are black, and then he has this sort of like golden yellow irises. Yeah, uh, which looks really weird. But it's uh-huh. like if he's not blind, what does that mean? Are they like super eyes? Like what? Like what <laughs> like would Daredevil? that mean exactly? Right. And then the trip at the end where he says, despite having my eyes open I, I, I still can't see a thing in that case would just be a funny gag like oh he's not paying attention to wh- where he's walking and I could see it also having a deeper meaning if there had been something in the movie where he had missed an important story point or something Right. Uh, but that's not mm-hmm. in there at all like he right. seems to basically have everything figured out so then there's this idea that keeps coming to my head where it's like he actually is blind because all that happens is he opens his eyes and the other characters assume that he can see at that point point. and you know if a blind person opens their eyes they still can't see <laughs> and yeah. so and so this would sort of make the CGI the, the the weird black eyes make a little more sense like it's supposed to indicate to us that maybe he is still blind but if this is the case I'm I like the choice a little bit more, but I don't think that it's clearly conveyed at all. Right.
2: I um I I was thinking about the idea that maybe, uh, that maybe this guy was masquerading as Zatoichi, and the real Zatoichi had died a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting.
1: Well, a thing that I, you know, that that's good about this is that it's a one-off film. Mm -hmm, Yeah. And so it gives you the idea that it's okay. It's. I feel more okay with Beat Takeshi doing trying a weird thing like this and and whiffing at it, where we don't have to worry about like, you know, things that get pulled into long running franchises like canon or retconning those ideas, where you can just say, okay, Beat Takeshi like took this character and did something weird with it, and I kind of I respect that and I like it, but I don't like the decision that he made. You know? <laughs> right. Uh,
0: uh, a, a few notes on that. Uh, I, I feel like he is actually blind and is just messing with pops and the and gramps when he does that reveal. Mm-hmm. And that the even with my eyes wide open, I can't see a thing is is admonition of I, I am actually blind. Yeah. But but either way, like Joey said, I, I don't feel like that really adds much if that is true and feels a little pointless, but something that is completely infuriating is that Takeshi Kitano 100% did this as a choice to make people sit there and talk about it and debate over it mm-hmm. because he has been interviewed repeatedly about this movie where he refuses to say one way or the other what that ending actually means. <laughs> really? Yeah, oh, so he is just – he. It's, it's a final joke that he – hold on us with this movie because it entertains him that we don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so it's
2: fine, I guess, but
1: yeah, it's like, I kind of enjoy, I like the spirit of it, but then it actually makes me feel like the end product is inferior to, uh, another Zatoichi movie that I would like more like the older ones, you know?
0: Uh, I will also note that in the, in the tale of Zatoichi at the very end, uh, when confronting the Yakuza boss that he's been working with, Ichi, for effect, opens his eyes and kind of stares angrily mm-hmm. at the mob boss, which is not to imply in that movie that he is sighted, but just to be kind of an interesting effect and that they did something to his eyes in that movie to make them look kind of dull and silver.
2: Well, yeah. Even though it's black and white. Yeah, yeah. no, that portion of the movie just goes to – that's his serious moment. Like that's when his – that's when he's you know in oh, serious mode. <laughs> which I, I I really like a lot. Um now something about this movie that like uh that I enjoyed is uh Beat Takeshi's propensity to to uh to do scenes about like minute uh you know goings on like mm-hmm. uh where where she, oh, where uh Shikichi is is um is practicing his dice uh you know uh, in the uh, beach house scene as you as you mentioned. Uh, mm-hmm. That particular scene is very indicative of course of his style <coughs> and um I really appreciate that even with a movie like this, he still manages to uh to do something like that, yeah, yeah, it still has his
0: his kind of, his real interesting kind of sense of pacing and and your ability to decompress after a lot of these fast paced violent scenes and the the interspersing of both the comedy, but even mundane stuff where it's, like you said, the Shikiji practicing his dice, trying to figure out how, how EG listens to it. And just, it it both gives the viewer kind of, uh, the ability to come down from the action scenes, but also lets you view those characters more as people and get to, to feel more intimate with them.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's still a lot of good stuff going on. I, I think the, the confusing ending and then some of the stuff that we were talking about with the like CG not completely holding up are just kind of things that make me feel very conflicted about it, you know, rather than being able to 100% say, like, yes, this is a great movie. I endorse this. Like, I think his performance is really good. I think that in some ways he does play blind more believably than Shintaro Katsu did. Um, uh, I think he kind of seems kind of even more mm, um, what do you, what you say like kind of like you know weaker and hobbled <laughs> than, than mm-hmm. Katsu who often kind of like looks like he is looking around like he can't see anything but feels very like sure of himself where I feel like uh, Takeshi's Ichi it seems to make more sense that people have to lead him around and stuff like that um, yeah Something that I miss, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to compare. I probably shouldn't compare one to the other. But the, the Pat Katsu's performance, like, a thing that stands out to me a lot is that uh, Ichi is very jovial and, like, laughs a lot and is very yeah. kind of, like, warm and pleasant. And uh, Takeshi did that as well, but he, his was a much more subtle. And then it gets sort of undercut by his ability to, like, very quickly turned to violence, like Scott was
2: mentioning, yeah, um, it's funny you mentioned Takeshi's walk, he doesn't really have it a whole lot in this movie um his uh his classic beat takeshi shuffle mm-hmm. uh it's funny I was thinking about like the way that that uh Katsu walks versus the way uh Takeshi walks in this movie mm-hmm. and uh it's almost like this is a much much older zatoichi um the i always <laughs> i can comp- <laughs> I, uh, I think Katsu walks like a giant baby. Like he does, he waddles. <laughs> yeah, um, he, yeah, he does. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Takeshi kind of he hobbles a little more.
1: Um, and this also brings up something we haven't mentioned. He has bleach blonde hair, uh, which is weird, but also kind of makes him look kind of like it's white hair, like he's an older.
2: I thought it was white. Yeah.
1: Oh, I, I yeah, maybe it is white I I yep. saw it I, I
2: think it's blonde. I
1: see it as blonde, but I think it it kind of implies that idea that he's older. he's he's been through a lot and his hair color is starting to go but it like mm-hmm. weirdly reads as bleach blonde too <laughs> adding to I, the I, sort of s- surrealness of everything.
0: I think uh, Kitano actually wears his hair a lot, bleach blonde, and that he just decided he didn't want to change his hair color for the movie. <laughs> uh, but it is a, a kind of stylistic choice that further otherizes him from the rest of the cast, which, I, I don't know, it, something that, that struck me uh, both the first time I watched it and now is that his the way he dresses seems kind of weirdly anachronistic, Whereas uh, it, other people wear pants in the movie, but it's he's got these leggings that almost look like they're blue. They almost look like blue jeans. Oh, and they're his, pajamas. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's a, and, it's part of like a like a jean bay. Like it's a like it's a pajama.
0: Um, I was gonna say his his jacket also looks kind of like a poncho, and he just looks very out of place, kind of visually overall mm-hmm. compared to. Everybody else in the film. Which I, was uh interesting to I me. Mean.
2: I think he might have been trying for a distinctive look to to, you know, um uh separate himself from the rest of the people in the movie even though the hair already was a pretty dead giveaway. Yeah. Yeah. Um I noticed he didn't have like the the hand bracers that that uh Katsu wears, which oh, I think which I think is kind of like a Zatoichi like hallmark, right? Those yeah. hand bracers.
1: Yeah, I wonder if that's a masseuse thing or...
2: I wonder, or, yeah. Hmm.
1: Um, yeah. Um, I definitely got the feeling that one of the sort of... um, like, kind of driving ideas of this was to sort of, like, separate it from that old series and, and like, stuff like how the action scenes were much more, like... Uh, don't know like scott compared them to anime at one point like i feel like they that modernizing zatoichi was kind of a big agenda in in this movie for sure um do you want to talk uh i i had one other note about the music uh in particular i i thought it was really cool uh the way that they um integrated it into scenes like there was a scene where the raindrops are on the umbrella and they're kind of uh, integrating with the rhythm and the same mm-hmm. thing with the the farmers and stuff. And I feel like it could have been pushed a little bit farther to make the like dance sequence at the end not feel quite as out of place. Like it, it almost <laughs> works, but like yeah. a thing that it reminded me of. So I was watching it with a, my friend David and he at kind of midway through the movie when the score was starting to get a little weirder he was he said when did bjork start scoring this <laughs> and, and <laughs> it's funny because i had just been thinking about how it was reminding me of dancer in the dark the bjork oh. movie directed by lars von trier uh where a lot of the sort of like sounds of her surroundings uh like contribute to her imagining that she's in a musical and that movie came out a few years before this one did and I, i'm kind of curious if it did influence him at all but
0: that was uh, interesting uh Talking about my personal re- reaction to re- re-watching this has a lot to do with, with the music and like our brains are always liars. So remembering something that you watched like uh, over 10 years ago is not – a fully accurate portrayal in your mind. Mm-hmm. But uh, my memory of this movie was overwhelmingly positive and I really enjoyed it when I first watched it. But a lot of the aspect of, of the, the music and sound design, I think had become bigger in my mind than it actually is in the movie because I remembered those moments where like the, the farmer's hoeing uh, becomes a rhythm, becomes the music and the raindrops in those scenes. And I, Thinking back on the movie, I remembered those being more integrated into the film and more ubiquitous, which I feel like it's a missed opportunity both to kind of segue better into the end musical number, but also because Zato Ichi is a blind character to kind of focus in on on his own world and kind of the the fact that his world is built so much around sound. That to to focus on the musicality of just your environment could be could be a huge thing that you could tie into the movie. Yeah, and so like I had built that up in my head. I was like, oh, of course, this happened in this movie. And then rewatching it, I was like, well, no, it it happens a couple times.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it um, seems like that could have even been the initial thought behind it, but it cut kind of lost within the production.
0: Uh, reading interviews uh, with Kitano, I can tell you that it was not an initial thought with the production. Uh, the, the dance, the big musical number at the end of the movie was actually the first thing he decided on for the film Uh and then decided to have, uh, so he actually, the stripes, the tap group that he, uh, that he decided to work with for this was affiliated with another musical group that had appeared in one of his other films. Um, uh, fireworks or Hanabi. Hmm. Um, so he, he decided from the beginning that he wanted them to do this big dance number at the end. And actually they're the ones that scored out all the rhythm. And then he had uh, Suzuki come back over that rhythm and arrange the rest of the music to go with it. Hmm. And then they decided uh, they decided later in production that they needed kind of more musical scenes to transition
2: the audience into being okay with a big <laughs> dance number at the end. Oh, yeah. They could have used a couple more. I think it would have been really cool to to have uh, a scene like that while he was fighting all those guys, like the rhythm of him hacking and slashing yeah, and blocking. That would have been I mean, awesome. That would have been sweet.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think there's there's definitely room for people to make m- – more Zatoichi films, and like the the kind of departures are why I feel like this this to me is a Takeshi Kitano movie, not a Zatoichi movie. And obviously, we we compared a lot to the original series, but I think it stands apart from it in many many ways. Uh, but I, but yeah, I, I think there's definitely a lot they could work with uh, reviving this kind of franchise going forward if if the studio decides to do other different new things with it. Mm -hmm. Um, do you guys have any favorite scenes that you want to talk about that we hadn't touched on?
1: Uh, yeah, a little, a super little moment, but I love, I think the comedic timing is perfect when Shinkichi is gambling again after trying to hone his hearing (laughs) skills. Um, Mm -hmm. and he bets (laughs) first he gets in an argument, you know, with the, the gamblers about whether or not he can just sit there and listen And then he he bets everything and then immediately loses it because (laughs) he hasn't actually honed his his hearing uh, to be like Zatoichi's. And just the the timing of him standing up and turning around and leaving the building (laughs) after he loses was was totally (laughs) perfect. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that this speaks to something that I think is one of my favorite aspects of the movie in general, which is that I think the casting is super strong. Like, I think that casting that actor as Shinkichi so that he can be a sort of pathetic dude, but like his, I, I, he definitely does like have more of a comedic role and he's very good at that. Um, it was a good decision. And, and I love in that same scene, that old boss, uh, of the other gang that gets wiped out by, um, uh, Mm -hmm. the, the Ronin at the end. And he, he has just a super perfect look, you know, and I also really love Ginzo, Uh, his whole like look and attitude uh are perfect and the and the two guys uh that run the bar you know um i think are really great at um being convincingly sweet old guys and then also switching to being you know big top dog yakuza bosses i can't really remember uh if i was taken by surprise or not by the twist unfortunately because this time as soon as i started watching it and they showed back up i was like oh yeah one of them or both of them is is the boss right or something but i think that regardless of if you would catch up uh on that twist early or not they do a good job of of acting differently in in both Mm -hmm. of those sequences
0: uh I was surprised by that twist the first time I watched it, and but then looking back at this, they definitely lay enough groundwork with the, with the uh, Gramps kind of knocking over the sword mm-hmm. surreptitiously to to or knocking over the cane to see it's a sword, and and a couple other things. He drops a plate at one point when they mention the uh, the when the geishas mention things.
1: Yeah, I that, think I that, sort of that, noticed that the old. Yeah, Gramps has some sort of extra old guy makeup on to make him look even older, and that kind of, like, I feel like telegraphs a little bit, like, something's going on with this guy. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, there are definitely definitely some clues in there if you're paying close attention. Yeah,
2: I didn't see that twist coming, but when it happened, I didn't care. Mm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like, at that point, I was like, okay, uh, so I guess we're just going through all the characters in the movie that have been introduced, which makes... That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, at that point, he revealed he wasn't blind, and then I was just like, okay. I'm just going <laughs> to let the movie just keep me on autopilot for the rest of the movie. That kind of that kinda killed the momentum for the movie, honestly, for me. Uh, that's too bad. Um, Did you have
1: a favorite part of the film you wanted to mention, though, Alex? I,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, like you said, the comedic timing is pretty great. We already touched on... Uh, earlier in the movie when uh the guy whips out his sword and slices the other guy i thought that was amazing yeah <laughs> it's so funny uh uh <laughs> i love the three the three hooligans that are laughing at uh shikichi and then he teaches them how to he teaches <laughs> them how to how to how to sword fight which is s- such a dumb little scene but i love it mm-hmm. like i'm like i kind of i can kind of see where this is going but it's so typical of Takeshi um, these types of scenes just little dumb scenes that have like a a little bit of a like a little tiny bit of a comedic slapstick payoff at the end yeah Um, and I love that and uh, uh, the screaming neighbor shows up at the end and uh, almost impales everybody (laughs) like that that character didn't have very much payoff but him being in the movie uh, was worth it just for that scene uh, <laughs> I don't know
1: yeah like, I was so sure that he was going to get in trouble he was going to accidentally stab a boss or something like that and get in trouble or just something. nothing
2: I thought yeah. there was going to be some big emotional payoff yeah Honestly, like some, some sad backstory as to why he does that. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, I guess I've been reading too much One Piece, but <laughs> whenever you see a character like that, it's usually because, oh, well, they have some sort of sad backstory that makes them want to do that all the time. Yeah. So. Um, yeah Shankichi's actor,
0: actually, like, I feel the, the movie has a really good supporting cast, but he just has such excellent uh, timing and and kind of controls his facial expression so well. Uh, he's an actor named uh, Taka Guadal- Guadalcanal. Oh yeah, or is his stage name? He was in Boiling Point, which is another Kitano gangster movie. But I don't know any of the other stuff he's been in.
2: Um, I have Boiling Point, yeah, and I've seen good. it once. Uh, no, no, well, hold on. Violent Cop is the one I've seen. I guess I haven't watched Boiling Point, even though I do own it. Just.
0: I think Boiling Point was his second gangster film.
2: Yeah. Was his, his um, name Guadalcanal?
0: Yeah,
1: it's like yeah, crazy... It's his stage name. Yeah, it's a, like a crazy stage name. Uh, I looked him up after this movie, too, and I think it's like taking his actual name and romanizing it in a weird way. But, interesting.
2: Pff, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to see more of him, actually. He was... Uh, it was a shining spot in this movie. The ca- the entire cast was very well, well, uh, well done. But uh, he, in particular, I thought added a lot of character to the movie. And um, Takeshi's movies are usually kind of slow, but this one I think because of uh, it was interspersed with all of the action sequences, which I thought were uh, were sprinkled in a in a really liberal manner. Actually, like uh, they were mm-hmm. they were just the right amount of action sequences in this movie um yeah between that and and the comedic relief uh pacing wise this is probably one of his uh better paced movies uh Mm -hmm. now i was a little disappointed with hatori because um i love uh uh, asano taranobu like i love that guy um he is he is such a cool guy he always plays very cool characters and um, I thought he was kind of underused in this.
0: Yeah, that was uh, probably my biggest disappointment coming coming back and rewatching this. Is that I remember liking the character the first go round, but in this, he just seems completely undermotivated. We we see that he's got a sick wife that he's trying to care for, but he spends such so much of the movie just kind of being vaguely angry and ignoring his wife. And there's there's no character arc. There's no sympathy. There's just not a lot going on with him, and I was very disappointed going back. That's probably the part that I was most disappointed in on
2: rewatch. That's the problem. I think there were too many characters to focus on without it bogging the movie down too much. Like, you probably could have gotten rid of the Naruto siblings completely and focused a little more on Tadunobu's character. Uh, Mm -hmm. It it reminded me a little bit of the first Satoichi movie where, you know— it's sort of like you took the uh the rival samurai from the First Atoichi movie and split it off in between uh Hatori and his wife.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um simply because the character in the First Atoichi movie is, you know, he's he's a ronin, uh but he also has a uh, generic blood coughing disease <laughs> and is on death's door. Uh and then you find out a little more about him. Like I kind of wanted to I wanted to see what the deal was between uh y- with this character and uh, I was kind of hoping that he would have a a bit of a friendly rivalry with Zatoichi, kind of like uh, kind of like the first film did. But um,
1: yeah, it's kind of too bad. Like, I mean, this might be my mind being set in this sort of like yeah Showa movie era tragedy or whatever, but it's a little too bad that like maybe Zatoichi didn't know about his wife or something to make him, um, you know have a harder decision to fight this guy and kill the guy, you know? Yeah. Instead, it was just like a rando dude who wants to cut him down, and so he's fighting back, you know? Uh, Whereas I think if he's actually involved in the tragedy a bit more himself, it would have been a little stronger. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I also watched this back-to-back with rewatching the first uh, Satuichi film, and I was kind of... uh, I know we've been comparing the two a lot, but I was really impressed by how much more pathos there is in Tale of Zato Ichi than there is in this film. Mm. And there's so much more build-up to the final duel and you actually care about the stakes, whereas in this, like, it looks really cool. And my favorite scene is when the, the two of them first meet and have that kind of initial face off. But aside from that, there's no build up, there's no there's no Kind of relationship between Ichi and Hatori to make you care about that aside from knowing they're both really good at sword fighting yeah. yeah
2: there's definitely a style over substance uh problem uh with this with uh you know that portion of the movie on uh to be honest i uh i really I really could have used some more uh emotional gravitas mm
3: mm-hmm.
0: Uh, any other like closing thoughts?
1: No, it's this is our first one that we're kind of a little uh, negative on. I think. Yeah, I episode. am glad
0: I, I'm glad we we I revisited it and then we got to talk about it. But yeah, I'm I'm a little sad that uh, that it is not the the movie that I remembered in my mind.
2: I'll be honest, if I didn't watch the other Zatoichi movies, I probably would have liked this one a little better. <laughs> Mm. um yeah i it's I just couldn't help but compare the two or at this point and i i uh i acknowledge that this is uh you know it's a one off it's Takeshi making it his own thing, and he definitely has it just falls i think it just falls apart here and there and um overall I did like it i don't mm-hmm. regret watching it of course um i just uh I, you know i just wish some things had been different, but yeah. that's the case with any movie really. Right.
0: Um so yeah, I think our uh, our big takeaway from this is uh watch tale of Zatoichi.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well you can watch this one too, but uh No, I, I still really enjoy this. Yeah. Uh reminder that all of these movies, uh, all of the Zatoichi movies, including this one, uh can be watched on the Criterion Channel, which is a, a paid service. It's uh a, a, a subsidiary of um Filmstart. Uh, filmstruck. filmstruck, yeah. It's the a higher paid paying version of Filmstruck in which you get all of the Criterion movies. Uh it's ten ninety-nine a month. Uh you can get a 14-day free trial over at Filmstruck.com. Uh that's how I was able to watch these. Uh
0: it's also how I watched it. Uh they're not paying us to plug this, at least not yet. They're not. Uh, <laughs> but uh they've got the uh Turner Classic movies uh uh, film collection, and then all the Criterion stuff that was formerly on Hulu, uh, and it's a really great selection. I will say that I had some issues with the player. Uh, actually, watching this, a lot of uh, stuttering and and weird stuff. So they're still ironing out some kinks, but uh, the selection on on that service is great.
2: Yeah, it really can't mm-hmm. be beat. And I think uh, this particular uh, film, uh, the two thousand three Zatoichi. Can also be found on a bunch of streaming services. Um, It's on.
0: Yeah, you can rent it on Amazon for like three dollars and
2: whatnot. Nice. It's
0: it's real accessible. Uh, I I think, but like, uh, Shall We Dance is also distributed here by Miramax. Yes, Hmm. that's
2: right.
0: So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I feel like I associate this with that that era of the sort of late '90s, early 2000s, where a lot of um, Japanese live action movies that were pretty modern work coming out uh, in rental stores and stuff on
3: DVD. I think
0: it actually got a, a limited U.S. Uh, theater release around the same time uh-huh. it came out in Japan. Cool. So, um, All right.
2: Uh, so if you, what are we doing next uh, was, month? <laughs> so next month uh, we're going to be covering a movie that, uh, that I love. Um, it's, a, it's a movie from 2009 called Fish Story by director Yoshihiro Nakamura. And I'm not gonna spoil anything other than uh, <laughs> it's about a punk band and a song and yeah uh, it's it's a it's a remarkably awesome movie. Uh, if you want to watch it along with us, unfortunately uh it you can't be streamed anymore. Uh, it used to be on Netflix uh, once upon a time, but now really the only way you can watch it is if you buy the DVD, which you can find on Amazon for uh, approximately 1499, which I ended up pulling the trigger on that sometime last year because I was, was talking to a friend of mine about this movie and I'm like, oh, well, uh, you can't really watch this anywhere, so I'll just buy a copy. And I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's
1: uh, it's great and it's certainly worth re-watching. So owning it isn't a bad idea. Yeah. Um I'm without giving too much away, I just I'm curious to see how we're going to structure this episode.
2: Me too. Uh yeah, <laughs> me too. Uh we'll, it'll take some thinking. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll have to figure that one out. <laughs> it's just another one of the one of those movies like Tempo where it's where it's sort of uh structurally a little weird. So, and this is another one that uh that I haven't seen and know very little about, so I'm excited to see what all the fuss is. Oh yeah, strap yourself in. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, Well, with that, uh, I guess we'll go to plugs. All right. Uh, You can find me at uh, VriskaChat
0: on Twitter, Uh, mostly angry political tweets lately. (laughs) Um, uh, I don't have much else going on right now, uh, but I will say that uh, if you like this, if you watch this movie and like to definitely check out the the older Katsu Zatoichi films, but they're great. Uh also maybe check out the US Zatoichi film, which is Blind Fury starring Rutger Hauer <laughs> uh, and yeah. uh and uh Sho Kasugi who is the ninja from the uh canon ninja trilogy. Uh which it's it's a schlocky action movie from the eighties, but in the best way. <laughs> so uh maybe give that a
2: try too. Or out. Uh, Alex, yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dude Exclamation All one word. Um, and uh, lately, yeah, I've been retweeting a lot of uh, angry political stuff as well. but uh, hopefully you know that'll change. <laughs> um, I also tweet a lot about one piece. And speaking of one piece, uh, you can also catch uh, some of the other podcasts I'm on. Uh, the one piece podcast where we talk about one piece, the manga series. Uh, Joey frequently pops by. On, on that mm-hmm. particular one. And um, and I have another podcast called 20 Minutes of BS with my uh, friend Steve Yurko, where we just kind of shoot the shit for roughly an hour or so. Uh, so you can find that wherever podcasts are sold.
1: And mm-hmm. I Joey? am on Tumblr, JoeyWiser.tumblr.com, where you'll see strictly professional posts about my books and stuff coming out, and Twitter, at Joey Weiser, which uh (laughs) surprise surprise is a mixture of angry political posts and (laughs) and uh talking about movies and anime and all sorts of stuff that i I am thinking about at the moment um so yeah if you're interested in old japanese movies and stuff i talk about that eh, at least once a week (laughs) um (laughs) and by merman uh i have a graphic novel series called merman about a fish boy Um, and Volumes 1 through 4 are available in hardcover and digital, and 1 and 2 are available in softcover. The final volume, Volume 5, is coming out this spring, so keep an eye out on that. And then finally, I'd like to ask that you follow Toho Yaro on Twitter. No angry political emails there, we promise. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, so Toho Yaro's Twitter account, we tweet about uh, the upcoming episodes the current episodes um we mention new releases coming out of japanese movies uh in english and stuff like that um and you can also email uh toho yaro at gmail.com and um and tell us what you think of the show uh rate and review us on itunes that would help a lot uh we're starting to get a few of those and they really help us uh inform the show, and and it helps promote the show as well to get good reviews on iTunes, which uh, we we would really appreciate. Uh, And finally, uh, if you are curious about uh, Zatoichi, uh, previous to this we released a mini-ep that was uh, Alex and I talking for like a little under 10 minutes, so it's real short, and me uh, recommending four of the classic Zatoichi movies uh, that I like uh, especially a lot, so If uh, you are curious to try those old movies uh, but aren't sure where to start, you can listen uh, to my recommendations and see if any of those sound up your alley.
0: All right. And uh, and with that, uh, I think we're done for today. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yep. We'll see you next month.